Hello and welcome to the first instalment of the 33rd County Podcast. I'm Colin McCourt and I'm coming to you live from the 33rd County itself, the good old USA here uh, and based in Kansas City. So the 33rd County Podcast, basically the idea of the podcast is uh, I'm going to be speaking about some Gaelic games, some hurling football over the next uh, few months of the summer as the GA season's really starting to get serious. I'm also going to be speaking a bit of uh, League of Ireland soccer as well. So as the weeks go on, uh, basically I'll be speaking to some journalists from back home, getting all the main talking points and discussing the championship and, and, and all its new formats as well. The aim is it'll be a way for expats uh, in the US here to get a quick update on what's going on back home uh, in the GA. It'll also give GA lovers, hopefully back home uh, in Ireland, a chance to see what's happening in the world of GA in the States because I don't think it gets near enough coverage as it should. I also don't think uh, people understand just quite high high some of the level some of the standard is here so it'll be a way for some GA lovers back home uh, to hopefully get an interest in what's going on here in the States as well in the next coming weeks I'll be reaching out to clubs here in the States so they prepare for their seasons to start getting an idea of how preparations are going uh, and their expectations for for the future so of course if there's any particular game that you think I should be paying attention to or if you're part of a club that you want me to focus on or whatever, don't hesitate in getting in touch with me on Twitter. Uh, it's Connell underscore MCC. That's Connell underscore MCC. Connell, C-O-N-A-L-L. So let's just get straight into it then, into our uh, GA breakdown and breakdown of Irish soccer. I'm delighted to say I'm joining the line by a journalist from Balls.ie, Morris Brosnan. Morris, how's it going? All good, man, yeah. How about you? All good, all good, mate. Thanks for joining me. So we're just going to get straight into it here. Uh, the new uh, the new football and the new Hurling Provincial Champions have been starting. We're going to start off with football. Uh, so obviously for people who don't know this year, there's a new format. It's the Super 8 format that the, the uh, football has adopted. Basically, that's just going to be replacing the All-Ireland quarterfinals. Uh, instead of the quarterfinals, it's going to be split up into two groups of four. Obviously, the uh, provincial champions go straight in to the groups. Uh, the 16 teams that aren't the provincial champions or the runners-up in the provinces, they're going to split off into their own qualifying rounds of four, and the fourth qualifying round is obviously against the runners-up from uh, from the provinces to try and solidify the eight teams in the group. So the groups will look like uh, they'll be the Munster champions and the Connacht champions, and the other two teams will be made up of either the Ulster runners-up or the qualifier that beats them in, in round four of the qualifiers and the Leinster runners-up and the same if they get beat in the qualifiers. The second group will be the Ulster champions and the Leinster champions and the uh, the runners-up of Munster and Connacht or the team that ends up beating them in the qualifiers. First of all, Morris, what do you think of the new format? I, um, I'm tremendously looking forward to it. I suppose like the the basic premise of it is, is good I don't think the implications of it were thought through fully so this got passed at Congress last year and because of that the implications for a lot of GA fans haven't been thought through so it got passed last year but the TV contracts were negotiated before their hand mm-hmm. so that's a five year deal so what essentially what they've done they've added where we would have had four games you know 12 games we've got two groups of four and because of that there's a huge amount of games that won't be televised that would have been because there's a threshold you're allowed to televise four to five games and within that is now this extra 12 games so other games have suffered so for example we got a thriller last week which was Monday and Tyrone and the bulk the large majority of the country couldn't watch that game because it was televised on BBC Northern Ireland mm-hmm. so there's live games that 
and, and, and I mean like the, the ramifications for that like people say just go to games but oftentimes that's not actually possible yeah. like for example a huge amount of people would have watched Tyrone Monaghan based in the southern country and they could can't and that, from that perspective I'm kind of apprehensive about it I also don't think like the Super Race doesn't address the main issue and not even the sports but the main issue is that there's a massive gap between the upper echelons the likes of Dublin, Mayo, Kerry and the lower teams and in order to address that I still do think I would be massively in favour of a tier championship like we have in Hurling mm-hmm. and that's like the Super 8 is I mean and they've made no bones about this it wasn't intended to help weaker counties and nor will it so it, it's only to address but from a you know, from a fan perspective it's great we're going to get like the group is going to be tremendously exciting even if you, if you look at it from the perspective of Monaghan who bet Tyrone last week if they were to go through they'd be drawn in a group with Dublin so you would guess like they may lose to Dublin but they would get two bites of the cherry and could end up in an all Ireland final and then final so I do like I do like the premise of it and you can see it in Hurland how exciting around Robin is I'm just kind of apprehensive about the fact that I wonder does it address the main issue which is the, the massive gap between you know upper the upper echelons and kind of lower so-called weaker counties. Yeah, the disparity in, in the counties, I believe that was a big reason why the Gaelic Players Association came out against the Super 8s. But speaking of uh, Monaghan, let's just dive straight into that then. Monaghan, as you heard Morris say there, they beat Tyrone last week and I thought it was a brilliant game uh, up at Healy Park. I, the defending champions of Ulster, Tyrone, knocked out in the first round of the champion, or in the first round of the, of the Ulsters. Were you surprised at that, first of all, Morris? I wasn't. I thought Monaghan. I, I saw Monaghan play Dublin in the league live, and I watched a lot of them. And I thought I could see this coming. Um, and they're a testament, by the, by the way, of you know what can be done with limited resources. Like Monaghan have the second lowest population in the country, and they're competing. They're probably the favourites with Ulster now. They've been in Ulster final. They've been in All Ireland quarterfinals. So it's kind of a testament to the work Malik O'Rourke has done. And a large part of that is down to the fact that they can keep the same core players year on year. They're not losing players, which w- wouldn't be the case elsewhere. You get massive turnover. Um, on you know Tyrone itself, like we mentioned, the new kind of structures which will have implications for the Super 8 another big thing for Tyrone is that the qualifier draws are no longer seeded so previously everything that was knocked out in the first round would be seeded A versus B yep. but now it's an open draw so for a team like Tyrone to get knocked out in the first round that means they may get a Wexford or they may get a Loud yep. but they also may get a Mayo or they might get a, a tough uh, Tipperary or whoever lives in Cork mm-hmm. like they, they, the implications for them is massive I mean t- t- Tyrone get Mon- Mayo in the first round of the qualifiers They've got a huge route already to make the Super 8, and then they've got a massive game like that, which will be a week after they lost to, to Monaghan. So the implications there, I think, are, are just as big as the Super 8 were. And that qualifying draw that Morris is talking about, that's actually going to be made on the 20th of this month, I believe, just Monday coming here. Yeah. Uh, but that Monaghan team, as you were saying, it seems like the people people in the country, journalists around the country, seem like this team's starting... They feel like it's this team's starting to come of age. Uh, I mean, they've got great players. They've got key players. Uh, both a couple showed up against Tyrone, like of Rory Begg and Conor McManus. Those boys showed up. Uh, how far can this Monaghan team go, do you think? It's funny you say that. I was just reading um, Darryl O'Shea, the former Kerry footballer, had an article in the Irish Times today, and he was pointing out the fact that how we categorise teams now because the Super 8 has to be totally changed it's almost like a revolution so previously we'd have looked at this Monaghan team who've got a really strong core of players they brought on Conor McCarthy who's a fantastic forward they've got a really strong core 18-19 players and as Darryl Shea pointed out so this isn't an original point that's not enough anymore you need 22-23 players mm-hmm. because if you're playing three games in four weeks as you will be in the Super 8 
that's a massive strain on a squad who've already come through provisional championships and yeah. then will face a semi-final and a final. Those, you know, those additional games. So if you look at Munster, have a very limited squad. You know, like the, the, a very strong core of players, but it's a very small core of players. They don't have the same squad that you look at the Kerry. Like Kerry had a poor league, but they've got a massive squad. They use over 35 players in the league. Yeah. Whereas Monaghan have a very, very kind of limited core squad. Mm-hmm. I also think just uh, another point on Monaghan. If you know, we we talk about trends in the GA, tactical trends. So you talk about you know your whatever you want to say your sweepers or your two man for forward lines, this kind of thing. Yeah. I think the newest trend is being epitomised by Monaghan, and that's a fly goalkeeper, a keeper. You know, we we used to talk about Cluxon as as a quarterback because of his kickouts. Yep. Now, if you look at Rory Began, he does precisely the same thing in a totally different way. In that it's not just a kick out; he's coming off his line, sometimes beyond as far as the halfway line, yeah. to, and then he's delivering these seventy-yard, you know, pinpoint passes. That like, not only is he immensely accurate; he's immensely accurate over long range, which mm-hmm. is a huge asset. So you can't. It's gotten to a stage now where you have to be wary of giving away a free from the halfway line. You know, you, you might get a lazy half back. Or a half or a wing forward who would just make take the foul there and retreat back, and that might be a point when you've got a player like yep. Roy Began, who's yep. not only accurate but can kick rubber range. Absolutely, and I mean, I think the. I think Monaghan, Monaghan can shock a couple of people this year. I mean, I, I think they're definitely the favourites for Ulster and, and could even go on beyond that. But on the other end of the spectrum is Tyrone. The reigning Ulster champions obviously dumped out. I saw some comments from uh, Sean Kavanagh yesterday uh, saying that. Tyrone need new tactics obviously I mean Monaghan came up to Healy Park and kind of played them at their own game stopped the runner and uh and, and put them out so do you think it is time do you think Mickey Hart's going to have to look at that and, and try and play more expansive football to try and work the legs of Peter Hart and Tiernan McCann other better players in yeah, I, mean, I think that's a great point. Particularly, you mentioned Sean Kavanagh. I mean, Sean Kavanagh's comments there were pretty explosive. I don't know if people realise. Like, he did not hold back. He no. said in those comments, he, what he said was that there is star forward, and he was referencing the likes of Conor McManus now, who plays for Monaghan. Mm-hmm. There are similar star forwards in Tyrone who have not been given the chance to shine because of the very kind of restricted, limited system that yeah. Mick is using, which is a really kind of explosive thing to say that yeah. he's but he's got similar quality players who aren't being utilised properly. And, you know, there might be, like, we know, there was so much hype about uh, the likes of Lee Brennan, Darren Matuski, these kind of star Tyrone forwards who haven't really shown that. So maybe, I don't, to be honest, I don't think they have a forward of the same quality as Clarence Manus because I don't think there's the same forward of the quality of Manus in the country. I think right now he's probably the best footballer in the country. Well, I, would agree, but, I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, with Mc, up there with McBrady and Comer and the rest of it, I, I think he's one of yeah, the best. Exactly, like, yeah, exactly, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, McBrady and Comer are probably on a similar path. And, you know, they both had really strong leagues as well, which will help. But I don't think Tyrone have a similar quality kind of forward. There's a new... You know, like Tyrone, this kind of thing, and you might have noticed at the weekend, where Tyrone used to break really quickly in counter-attack and the likes of Harsh and Tiernan McCann would be bombing forward. That's gone because what you see now is kind of this weird stage where they almost kind of hand-pass the ball. But it, it, it kind of reminds me of a small bit of basketball and that everybody attacks together and everybody defends together. Yeah. So there's no swinging counter-attack. It's kind of slow build-up. The same way as the Mayo game was. And what... For Tyrone, what I think what cost him the game is Colm Cavanagh coming off injured because yeah. as a sweeper, he's unrivaled. And, and, and so when he came off... It, sorry, sorry a, a, another thing that Sean Cavanagh said, he said he thought that Colm could have played on, could have played on the, all the way through the second half. So, I mean, it's, even as you're saying, explosive comments coming out of coming out of Tyrone, coming out of the county this, this week. But, uh, go, go ahead. Just he's, he's, like, to put kind of this in perspective, he's... 
been slammed by Philip Jordan wrote the OTC another former Tyrone legend that um, he thinks Sean Kavanagh has learned from the likes of Joe Brawley and Pascal Larn how to make a name for himself and Sean Kavanagh has also got a book coming out but mm-hmm. my kind of counter argument to that is he's still close enough to the camp to know that he's going to shake some feathers like yeah. he, his brother obviously is involved in the camp so I would kind of counter that and say what he's actually doing is just speaking with immense honesty which is something that should be you know applauded from pundits Absolutely, and I'm sure it'll motivate them boys as well, knowing that a player like Sean Cavanagh, I mean, it's a bit of a kick up the arse, like, really, but... Yeah, exactly, yeah. But moving on further down south, uh, we have a massive game at Turles uh, on Saturday, the uh, Munster semi-final of football. Uh, Tipperary played Cork. Now, Tip seen off Waterford pretty uh, pretty easily, really, in the last round. Cork, they're looking for their fifth Munster final in the last six years. How do you see this one playing out? I see this as two teams in totally different directions. I think this is a Cork team in decline and a Tipperary team on the rise. Um, for those who don't know, Liam Kearns has been everywhere this week, media-wise, hammering the fact that he's had to play two games within a week. Now, So essentially, the, because of the way the draw was, Tipperary are also playing in hurling on the Sunday. Yep. Now, I, I have little sympathy for Liam Kearns because they were offered the chance to play a doubleheader and it was turned down. He was also offered the bank holiday Monday and the 10th of June. Now, both of those days were initially refused. So my kind of counterpoint would be you were given an alternative and you didn't take it. And you didn't take it, yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, on this Tipperary team, the, the, I think the reason actually that, and this is built into the next point, the reason that Liam Kearns is complaining about not getting two weeks is not because, I mean, Waterford, uh, not to, I don't want to diminish Waterford or to, you know, insult them, but that was essentially a challenge game for yeah. Tipperary. It's like an A versus B game, which is what you would play a week before anyway. But his main concern is that his two best players in O'Brien and Sweeney are carrying knocks. And I think he would love to have another week to get them right for the court game. So it's not necessarily the fact that they had two games. It's the fact that he would like another week just in preparation for those two star players. But I can only imagine as well that he's using this as a galvanizing effect while he's complaining about it in the media within the camp. That, you know, look at this. Like that, that's kind of a siege mentality that you could build upon, I would hope anyway. So I would I'd have really hope that kind of... It's a, it's a funny situation where you look at it now and you would actually back Tipperary footballers to make a Munster final over the Herders I think that's the first time I that's mad. in my lifetime you could ever think that definitely and I mean speaking of the Herders let's just go straight into that then uh, the Tipperary Herders had a bit of a I mean a bit of an awful week last week beaten by Limerick uh, there's also been a lot of quotes coming around the uh, around the country about them Henry Shefflin saying that he feels the tip of regressed since uh, the one the All-Ireland in 2016 but to be fair I, I watched the game and uh, oh, watch the highlights of the game, sorry. I don't think Tip were... I mean, they weren't great, but I thought they were still in the game until about five, six minutes to go and, until Limerick started to pull away. And especially, I think what's what's so important to realise about that Tipperary team that you saw that day, that's a Tipperary team that didn't have Brendan or Bonner Maher on yep. the field, that didn't have Seamus Cannelland in start, Michael what was Brown. the Roman office? Yeah, James Brown. And, and especially, like, a player like Breen, you, you're looking at him like, how can he get into that full forward line? But Breen plays as a back for his club, so he could have come in as their cornerback. Carl Barrett is actually injured, but he could have come in as a cornerback when he's getting roasted. So I think they've got... We spoke about the importance of squads in the Super 8. It's the exact same situation when you've got a round-robin and like the most championship is this year. So the fact that they've got games, they've got you know, four weeks, four games. But they've also got a squad that will be able to sustain that. So I, I wouldn't... And, you know, there's been a lot of kind of 
fly, after that game, Michael Ryan refused to speak to the media, which got him a lot of heat. You yeah. know, it's, if he had just spoken to the media, there would be less said than the fact that he actually ignored them and said he wasn't going to speak. Now, he's since come out and said that ban is over and that he, he apologised for implementing that ban. But I would still, like, I wouldn't by no means write off this temporary team. I think we might, you know, this kind of recent device, like they got to a league final and they were brilliant in the league and they had a bad performance in the league final against Kenny, yeah. a bad performance against Limerick, but they've got a, an unbelievable squad and so many options. I, I do think it's kind of, it's a bit premature to write them off just now. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's, people are talking about the bill in this game against Cork uh, this weekend as a must win I suppose the way this round robin system you kind of could look at it as a must win but as you were saying look they dropped five key players if they're bringing if they're bringing them back in it, it, it'll be silly to write them off I, I agree but but in all that I mean there's been a lot spoken about Michael Ryan dropping players giving debuts to five new players and whatever but I, I kind of think in all that we've kind of lost we've kind of glossed over how well Limerick actually played because I thought Limerick were superb Aaron Galan with the eight points other players Keane Lynch and stuff really coming into their own and I read a stat that's the first time that Limerick have beaten Tip by six points in the championships since 1981 so is it is it a fa- is it could it be a case that we're writing Limerick off see I think like maybe we don't fully appreciate this um, this Limerick team because we haven't seen enough of them so I mean they bet Galway which was a massive result to 1B but Galway weren't treating the league as seriously as some might assume. Yeah. So I think it was the first, but for Limerick, they hadn't been achieved promotion. I think it was 16 years before they actually achieved promotion. So for them to get out of 1B was a massive, in itself, by alone, was a massive accomplishment. Yeah. And then to kick on and be Tipperary again. And, you know, we talked about, and I keep going back to this, but I do think it's very important. Limerick may not have the best team in terms of starting 15, but they've got one of the strongest squads in Munster, which, you know, you look at the likes of. The, the, for particularly the, the Piercy club players who got to a, an All Ireland club final, yep. I mean, James uh, Downing's Downing scored one of the best goals you will ever see this year. He didn't even play on Sunday, on Saturday. So the, the likes of him still to come back in is, is massive. You, you look at um, Murphy who came off the bench was brilliant. You know, they I think they've got a, a squad that um, could do some damage this year. I, I of the right now in Munster, I think they might be the third team to get out. I, I would back them to um, to do really well. And what is you know a ruthless Munster Championship and I'm glad you brought up that third uh, place in Munster because obviously the football format has changed but also the hurling format has changed this year with the introduction of the Joe McDonough Cup so the Joe McDonough Cup is played uh, I think it's six teams is it so it's Antrim, Carlo, Kerry, Leash, Meath and Westmeath and the winners and the runners up of that will play in the preliminary quarterfinals uh, against the third place team in Leinster and the third place team in Munster to try and get into the All Ireland quarter, so a bit of a different look this year. Do you think that'll benefit uh, the uh, just hurling in general in, in the country this year? Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think it's a massive step. I think uh, you know what we've been crying out for is a tier championship that still has an incentive. So the, the great thing for these teams is that the top two teams will get a chance to play in Co Park in a final. There will also be in the All-Ireland quarterfinal, so there's a chance to still come back up. Even though you're in the second tier, there's a chance for you to progress on to the first tier. So there's, a, you know, there's an incentive there. It's not just a, yeah. a tier competition. Even if you look at the results, the games right now, everybody is beating everybody. So Kerry can lose to Carlo, can run Westmead really close, but then Carlo can lose to Antrim, mm-hmm. and then Antrim can go and lose to Leash. Lose to so, Leash like, yeah. And in terms of everybody is beating everybody, that's what you I mean. If you... If you sit down and you chart out what you expect from a competition, you, what, the, your main priority is that it's competitive and that's entertaining, and that's what the Joe McDonough Cup guarantees this year. It absolutely guarantees it. There might, the only I have one issue with the Joe McDonough Cup, and it's the fact that 
for the teams that are looking for promotion. So if any of, essentially, you've got six teams in there. If any five of the five finish top, they get automatic promotion into the Leinster Championship. The only difference is that if Kerry finish top of the Drum Tony Cup, they have to play a playoff to get into it. So the bottom team from Munster will play a playoff against Kerry right. then, then to progress for a relegation playoff which I think is wrong I don't think it's fair that you've got a different rule for Kerry as opposed to yeah. and I also think it's kind of insulting to say you know the teams in, for the likes of Osprey and Dublin who essentially will be battling relegation this year yep. you are less important to their teams than Munster so you, so you will, won't play a playoff the teams in Kerry or the teams in Munster will, they will I, like, yeah. for, why wouldn't if that was the case why wouldn't Kerry just be allowed to go into the Leinster Championship because Antrim are already in it you know I, I don't think it's fair that Kerry are forced to play a playoff if they win but nobody else is yeah it's, it's, and it's a good point I and mean, something it's something I'm sure will be talked about down the line if it does actually come to fruition but you were saying yeah. about Dublin and Offaly that's most likely going to be uh, the playoff for the relegation battle. Dublin, unlucky again. I mean, beat for the second week in a row in extra time. Uh, they were beat by Wexford this time, and they're up to take on Offaly this. Wexford are up to take on Offaly this week. But as far as Leinster goes, I mean, all eyes are going to be on the biggest game, which is uh, in Salt Hill. It's going to be yeah. the fir- uh, Galway's first Leinster championship game at home. Who do you think the pressure's on more here? Is it on Galway to get a win in front of their home crowd or is it the old guard Kilkenny having to maintain I think it? it uh, that's a great question. I think it is Kilkenny. And, and the reason I think that is because Galway have been motoring along just perfectly. I mean, they were kind of unashamedly taking in the league half seriously. They did a lot of training. I mean, they only they did a warm weather session. They were away on holidays for all spring. So by the time they came back, they'd only about two weeks to prepare for the league. So they didn't give it you know, the full seriousness that maybe yeah. a lot of teams were expect to, which is the same thing they did last year, by the way. So And now they're coming back down to go. They had a nice win against Offaly, five goals, which is more than they scored in the entire year last year. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, there still is... Like, even though it's, it's funny, you watch this Kilkenny team, they're kind of on the edge. They won a league, but right up until that when they won the league, they were totally written off. And the same thing could happen if you know if Galway put up a big scoreline on them. So like, I think that is without a shadow of an outstanding game for this weekend because it's two teams that I mean, you may actually identify them as two teams that are favourite for the All Ireland. So like that's it's a chance to sound a big marker for both teams. Yeah, and I mean I've been looking at the previouses, the, the previous games, and it doesn't look great for Galway. I mean Galway have only won one of the past twelve. Saying that it wasn't a Leinster final, like so, I don't really think that they would they would care too much. But it, it'll be a great game. I think all eyes will be on it. Uh, but it'll be fascinating to see to see who comes out of that one. So, look, the hurling and the football is going to be looking great this this week coming. But let's switch a bit to the League of Ireland. Uh, Shamrock Rovers getting a win last night, uh, two nights ago, last night uh, against yeah. St Pat's uh, in the Dublin Derby. I mean, from what I've seen from the outside, they look pretty, look pretty dominant and starting to quietly creep up towards a European spot. There, I believe you were at the game. Were, I was uh, at the game. Yeah. Were the Rovers were, were the good quality? Were, were they worth a three 0 win? I mean, I, I would say if Rovers Rovers right now, I think are at the sixth or the seventh. If Rovers played like they did that night, they would be challenging at the top of the league. And a lot of you know Rovers have been talking about challenging for Europe and challenging for a title, and the year hasn't exactly panned out for them. But I mean, the the big thing about being there is that the I don't know if people realise this from the outside looking in. It's a tremendously exciting time for the League of Ireland because finally, in my opinion, Martin O'Neill is starting to call League of Ireland players into the Irish squad. Mm-hmm. So just this week, we had Shane Supple, the Bowes goalkeeper 
has been called into the squad. And also Graham Burke, who played last night and was brilliant, played against Celtic for Ireland in, uh, in Scott Brown's testimony on oh, Sunday. Yeah. Now, for them, the, the only issue is that, as opposed to the likes of McLean or any other Premier League or Championship player, they're in the middle of the season, so it's hard to get time to play friendlies for Ireland. But just the mere fact that they're getting involved in the squads, that they're involved in training camps, I think is a really kind of good sign, and a sign that the league, you know, the standard of the league is increasing. So, you like, I can't even articulate the excitement every time Graham Burke touched the ball last night. Now, that's because technically he was by far and away the best player on the pitch. He just, he's got that touch. Yeah. And, and the same thing, you know, Supple's for Bose, like that's, that's an immensely exciting thing. This is a guy, for people who don't know, who nine years ago gave up football. He gave it up entirely. He was over in Ipswich, voluntarily came home because he fell out of love with the game, decided to play some football, so played for St. Bridget's Gaelic football. Ended up getting onto the Dublin panel, but couldn't get Cluxton out. Was convinced to come back and play for Crumlin United, who um, that's like, like a local soccer team. It's you know totally amateur. Then we got a gig with Bose, and now the Bohemians goalkeeper, and has finally been called up to the Ireland squad at 31. Like that's an immense story, Absolutely. and that kind of it builds excitement for the league. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm just looking there at the table. Shamrock Rovers sitting in sixth. They're four points behind uh, behind St Pat's and Derry City. Do you think? I'm looking at their form. They've only lost one of their last eight home, or eight league games. Do you think Europe is on Stephen Bradley's mind? Do you think that is a realistic chance you oh, think they could I do that? Definitely, yeah. I think definitely. And you know, like you mentioned there, the fact that um, they're four points off. They've got Bowes away at Dublin Derby on Friday night. They win that, and they're a point off pass. Like, I don't think the they've been poor I don't think the gap is as big as you know maybe has been perceived in some places I also think they've got a, an immense squad they got a young lad on the bench last night Aaron Bulger who could be a superstar I mean the guy he's only doing with Leavenster and it was a Tuesday night um, a week and with the Leavenster coming up but the guy is just fantastic on the ball the, the only worry you'd have is that he's a bit small kind of in the same mould as um, as was Hulan actually but as, as a footballer he's leaps and bounds ahead and that, again you know I keep coming back to it but that's the kind of thing that will build excitement you've got O'Hara who's over in Brighton now these kind of players who just make the, that gap like that's what the the league needs yeah. and then for Rovers the big thing for Rovers it, it not only is they need Europe because of the financial revenue that's attached to that they need to get Europe because of the you know the implication that you need for the likes of Dundalk Cork Samac Rovers their budget needs Europe because they're all full time clubs yeah yeah, I mean, speaking of Dundalk and Cork, they, they both had pretty routine wins during the week as well, both winning 2-0 uh, against Waterford and, and Limerick, respectively. But the game that caught my eye was Derry City. Uh, they bounced back from two pretty heavy defeats uh, on the trot, the Dundalk and Pats, uh, and they came away 2-0 winners at Bray. And the big thing with Derry, in my own opinion, is the what they need to do is hold on to players. Like They just lost cost this we got into Portsmouth. Um, they got another guy, Aaron McNiff, there in centre mid, who is a superstar. The guy's just an absolute baller. Um, uh, on the other hand, there, like I'm talking about the excitement of the league. Bray, on the other hand, you know, they're they're the kind of teams that like the, the attendances are great everywhere, bar Bray and Limerick, and it's because how poorly run those clubs are. And yeah. you know, I can't stress the damage that does to the league. Like the, Bray is a club that. You know the amount of negative PR they brought to the league last year with ridiculous statements, with announcing that the club was on the verge of closing. Then they announced that all the players could leave. Then they announced that all the players weren't going to leave. Then they were investigated for match fixing allegations, which were subsequently proved to be unfounded. That kind of stuff doesn't do the league any justice. It, it, it brings so much negative PR at a time when the league has never been as exciting. Like we, we could, you know, Waterford are back up the league. They've got massive attendance, over three thousand. That's 
good stuff. That's the stuff that we w- would like to see the league promoted for and you know well known for, as opposed to the kind of stuff that is happening in Bray or these ridiculous statements that are coming out. That, you know, Limerick are charging 18 quid on the gate to get into their games. 18 quid for a League of Ireland game, which is you know they've got prices higher than Serie A games, which is totally unfair. Man. No wonder they're not getting the attendances in. Absolutely, so that, that kind of stuff doesn't do the the league any justice. And you know it's the likes of Bray who really need to kind of... They're the clubs that either the FBI decide to deny them a licence and or, you know, relegate them because of how shambolically they are run or they themselves get themselves into gear. But, we, you know, that's the issue right now with the league. It seems like that, who, you know, for want of a better phrase, are actually dragging it down. Well, I mean, if it's any consolation of thinking about 13, 14 games, I don't think Bray will be there anyway. But... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it looks like they're on their way. But look, Morris, we're out of time. But th- thanks very much for joining me. I mean, it's been great. We're going to look forward to all the League of Ireland games uh, this weekend. Also with the GA, the football, and hurling. Make sure, and hopefully, we can get you on back back on soon uh, to speak about how the championship's going. Anytime, mate. Yeah, anytime. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it.